this creative thinking and this creative problem solving is not something that I believe computers solve for us yet. Who knows what will happen in the future? Welcome to Design Life, a podcast about design and side projects for motivated creators. I'm Femke. And I'm Charlie. Today, our topic comes by way of a listener email. They sent us a link to an article about, I don't know if you had heard of this before, Femme, but it was the founder of Design Inc. had written a blog post about a five-minute logo design where he was sharing tips on easily making a logo, basically, for the non-designer. And they shared this and were asking our thoughts on non-designers being designers and what this means for our industry. You know, there's all these there's these tips about five-minute logos. There's software that makes logos for you these days. There's even software that auto-lays out uh, websites and documents or whatever. Um, so with all of this, where do we fit in as designers with this software becoming more prevalent? I think it'll be an interesting discussion to have about the future of our industry in this way. And I definitely have some thoughts to share. I'm sure you do too, Fem. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, before that though, I do want to know how you've been doing. So what have you been up to? Because it's been a while since we last recorded. I was away. So how's the side projects going? How's life? Good. I'm feeling a little bit under the weather at the moment. So if I sound a little bit nasally, I'm sorry for those of you listening. I've got a bit of a cold, but been doing really, really well. You know, yesterday I started bullet journaling. Thanks to you. (laughs) I'm so excited. How, How are you liking it? Uh, it's really good. Yeah, you were very, very kind and gifted me a bullet journal. And so with the start of a new month, it's early May as we're recording this, I decided there's no better time than now to just get into it. You know, no point waiting till next January or whatever. (laughs) So uh, yeah, I uh, sat down the other night and did it all, you know, writing all the numbers and the dates and whatever. And it was quite fun, actually, kind of therapeutic. And uh, it's it's going well so far. I've only really done it for one day, so it's a bit early, I think, to to really tell whether it's going to be good for me or not. But I did find yesterday I started procrastinating, working, which we talked about in the last episode, I think. And uh, as I was doing it, I was like, hold on a second. I'm pretty sure that I put down in my bullet journal the actual tasks that I need to get done today. And so I had a look at it and, yep, there were still a couple of things in there that I hadn't done yet. And so... I switched to doing that. I switched tasks. I was like, no, I'm going to get this done because I want that gratification of checking it off. Yes, you know exactly. Checking things off in a bullet journal is always very satisfying too. At first I thought it was weird because for anyone listening, if you haven't seen the bullet journal system, the act of checking off a task in there is to put a cross over the bullet point that you made next to the task rather than... Um, like drawing a line through the whole task, which is what I'm used to doing, and which is very satisfying on a paper to-do list. Uh, yeah. So I wasn't so sure about that at first, but now I'm a big fan because it means you can easily read what the task was that you did. You know, you haven't just drawn a line through it. <laughs> yeah. So previously, up until now, I've used this physical notepad. It's oh, basically a to-do notepad mm-hmm. so it's long and skinny, and it's basically just got lines with little check boxes on yeah, the like side. A list. Yeah. Yeah, basically a list. And so I guess transitioning to the bullet journal, I'm expecting it to not be too much different. I think it's just moving those to-do tasks from my list notepad into a journal, which 
I think gives me a bit more structure and hierarchy and accountability because beforehand my notepad, there was no dates on anything. It was just a forever running list. There was no accountability to when things had to be done or not done. But now with the bullet journal, I feel like I can get a much better overview and stay more accountable to deadlines. That's awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to you sticking with it and trying it out. Like Even if it doesn't work out for you in the end, I think we should do an episode on it in the future and share more thoughts. Yes, maybe like in a month's time or something once I've had a good month. So yeah. Stay tuned for that and get your questions in now, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, true. So what about you? How is your week? Well, I launched my course finally on getting paid on time as a freelancer, which is very exciting. I think I mentioned in the last episode that that by the time it came out, the course would be live. So this is probably not that an exciting an announcement, but it feels (laughs) good for me to finally have it out and... I've been working on that for so many months, trying to get it right, and yeah, it was good. I definitely learned some things. There's definitely some things I'll do differently next time because I lost a bunch of subscribers, not a bunch, only maybe like 20, because I put them all live at the same time because I wanted people to be able to access them all at once and like binge watch, I suppose. Mm -hmm. But I think next time I would spread it out maybe in like 10-minute gaps at least just so – they're not all just there and I'd change up the titles a bit more and the thumbnails a bit more but you know do you think that's why people unsubscribed because you just yeah. uploaded them all at yeah. the same time they were like oh what's these three things in my subscription box oh and, weird yeah I mean you know people don't want it being clogged up or whatever um Pat Flynn on from Smart Passive Income said he'd had that happen as well so I probably should have expected it to be honest but all in all the course has gone down well and people have said it's helpful so that's what matters really yeah, what's what's the response been like? People have been enjoying it? Yeah, I think so. It's been good. I think it's one of those things that will like be useful over time, like it's evergreen content, you know? So yeah. it's just going to be there forever, or for as long as YouTube exists, basically. <laughs> and yeah, it, it's been good. And I'm pleased that I built a landing page for it as well. So it's charliemarie.com slash get paid. I think I remember that last week when in last week's episode, I couldn't remember the URL. So that's the URL. <laughs> and yeah, it was good to build a landing page for it. And it felt like more official than just putting out a YouTube video, you know? And it's yeah. made me excited to do more stuff like this in the future. And it gives it somewhere to live too. Yeah. Like if it only stayed on your YouTube channel, over time it would get pushed down or lost in between all your other content, Exactly. Right? And so now it's kind of like lost because this page isn't linked to from anywhere on my website like it's just the page Mm -hmm. but I think I am thinking about redesigning my website and like restructuring it because I don't really blog so much anymore and there's too much of a focus on the blog on there any right now uh I don't know I just want to make my website more fitting to what I do now if that makes sense yeah that makes sense I mean you evolve over time and things change so naturally I think it's fine for your website to update to follow whatever progress and whatever changes you're making. Yeah, so that's my next big project, I suppose. And do you have a monthly focus for May? For May, I'm focusing on my content again, trying to build a schedule and think ahead so I can plan for things like the pricing series that I did, well, getting paid series. I want to do more stuff like that that's thoughtful and ties together. So May's focus is getting that sorted because most of June I'm going to be in America and I won't really be uh, filming then. I want to try and get it all done before I go. So yes, May is getting ahead. How about you? Have you got a focus in place? Is this something you're going to be like doing more now that you have a bullet journal? 
Yeah, as I was uh, making my bullet journal the other night, I was like, oh, I could put a monthly focus in yes, here. Yes, yes, you could. <laughs> uh, and I'm kind of conflicted because on one hand, I still want my focus to be learning to code mm-hmm. because I want to keep that momentum and I want to get to the point where I can do like redo my website yep. by myself. So I kind of want that to be my focus, but I also want to have a focus on creating some video content. And so I don't know if I should have two focuses and no. you know, one, one's on learning and the other one's on content no. or whether I should just choose one. <laughs> you should choose one. one. <laughs> okay. The other one will keep till the next month. I don't know. Maybe you yeah. should. I think like judging from what I've seen you've been doing on Treehouse, I think you could dive in and start attempting to build a site now. Oh, so scary. I know, but like yeah. you can learn as you go and you'll figure out what you need to figure out, I guess. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I'll just stick with learning to code for another month yeah. and keep that momentum going. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, after that long intro, shall we get yeah, into we, today's we can topic? talk forever. Yeah. We know this. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone listening knows this too. <laughs> so, okay. First up, I want to get your thoughts on, well, for, I'll say also we've got lots of great listener comments on this, so I want to bring them in throughout as we're talking, because rather than saying them to the end, you know. Um, to get the lay of the land, though, with design being super available to the masses now, you know, anyone can pick up some form of design software. It's not back in the days when Photoshop used to cost several hundred dollars or you had to be smart and know how to download a cracked version to be able to use design software, you know. There's lots of free design software out these the, out there these days. Design software is fairly accessible. And so more and more people are taking on design and trying to design things themselves, even if they wouldn't consider themselves designers or have design training. And there's also the software, like I was talking about, that generates logos for you and lays out websites for you. How do you think this is impacting our industry and like what we do as designers? I think there will always be a market for professional design. But with this increase in like sort of, I guess, DIY design, right? Yeah, is that the word? I that's don't a know. good word to do describe it. Yourself. it. Yeah. yeah, do it yourself kind of design. I mean... I'm conflicted. I don't know how to feel about it, to be honest. I'll say that. But what I do like about it is that it's making design more accessible and it's making design more accessible for those who, without these drag and drop style tools or whatever, would never have that opportunity to sort of bring design into their business or whatever. And I think that's great for those people who are maybe like a one-man shop or a tiny tiny little one-man business or whatever, I think it's great that they now have the opportunity to bring design into their business, whereas beforehand they probably likely wouldn't be able to afford going and getting a whole professional design done and maybe don't even need a whole professional design done. I think... I think as designers, we assume that everybody needs a logo, right? Everybody needs a design or an identity. And with these small solo solo entrepreneurs and whatever that keep cropping up, I don't know if they need a logo straight away. I think it's more important for them to build their business and focus on you know, defining their audience or getting all their stuff together and creating whatever it is that they want to do and uncovering and understanding more about them and their market and what they're doing. And then later on, once they have all of that in place, then potentially get a professional design done. But I don't, I don't think they need that professional logo or whatever from day one. And so from that perspective, I think these 
new tools and new softwares help make make design more accessible for those people so that they can start with at least something and then evolve it over time when they're ready for something more and something more professional. Yes. Okay. I'm glad that that's your opinion because that is mine too. (laughs) Okay. Because I I wasn't sure. It's scary because as a designer, right, I feel like I should be against this. I feel like I should be like, no, like we're the designers, we're the professionals, we know what's right and wrong and everybody needs professional design. But honestly, I don't, I don't think so. Here's the thing is that when you're starting out, you don't have the money to invest in professional design. And I want to be clear here about what design is and like the way I see it anyway, is that design is creative problem solving. Right. And mostly what people do when they're using, uh, when non-designers are, you know, trying to create a logo for themselves or something like that, they're generally just looking for something that they think looks good, you know? When you hire a professional designer, you're going to get that problem-solving side and they're going to really focus in on what your needs are and, you know, how this logo will be applied to many different assets and and be seen in many different places. It's You just, I do firmly believe you're going to get a better quality product at the end of the day if you hire a designer to work on it. But sometimes to start with, you just need something that looks good on the top of a blog or whatever to start building up your brand and start building up your business. Um, yeah. And because your brand is more than just your logo, you know, it's everything that you do combined. It, it's okay to start like that. Um, we have a our next issue of Tradecraft, which is our ConvertKit publication that we put out every month on um, our blog, convertkit.com slash blog, that there's going to be an article about how you don't need to spend $10,000 to make your first website. And like no entrepreneur should do that. You need to validate your idea first and, you know, start building a business before you spend that type of money. And it's the same for any form of design, I think, that you don't need to invest that straight away. You're going to get a better quality product if you do, but to start with, it's totally okay to just do it yourself. And what what I found interesting is we had a listener email that I said – it was Celeste emailed in asking us about these articles and what we thought about it, like I said at the start. And it seems like Celeste didn't like the fact that this founder guy was talking about how you can make a logo for free in five minutes. And I totally get where that is coming, where she's coming from with that and where a lot of other designers are coming from when they don't like this article because I think there was a lot of outrage about it, that it does tend to devalue design in a way because some people are going to think oh well, I can get a logo for free for five minutes so why should I work with a professional but my thinking is I don't want to work with those clients anyway you know if that's their opinion then I don't want to be the one to have to convince them that design is worth it if they don't mm. see that and if they aren't on board with the value of design they're going to be a terrible client to work with you're going to be you know up against pricing um what's the word objections the whole way just yeah I don't know I think it makes makes the people who don't value design can get better quality looking stuff you know with this accessible design software yeah right and and it's true you can make a logo in five minutes I mean heck you can make a logo in five seconds yep you know just like do a squiggle and write the name of your business Grab or Helvetica, whatever put it in exactly yeah. exactly <laughs> and if you can call anything a logo like yeah it's a logo but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a quality logo yeah. or that it's the best logo for your organization or that it represents your values and beliefs, you know, like 
just because you can make a logo in five minutes doesn't mean it's the best one in the world. And it doesn't mean that you should never pay for someone to make you a professional one anymore, you know? Uh, And I was also thinking, I've had clients come to me with a project proposal and as I'm talking to them and discussing the project with them and reading over the brief and whatever, I sort of find or, or figure out or uncover that actually they don't need design right now. Mm, interesting. They're not ready for a design right now. They think they are, but maybe what they're actually trying to achieve, they can do it on their own. So for example, maybe they're a super early stage startup and they're looking for investment and they're coming to me asking me to, you know, design their whole end-to-end product. And I'm like, you don't need someone to design, you know, you don't need to invest thousands of dollars right now to get someone to design your whole end-to-end product. All you need is a prototype. Like there's so much mm. software online. You can go and just create a prototype yourself and just get an MVP, you know, just get something that shows your proof of concept, get the money that you need from the investors and then come back to me and we can talk then, you know? Yeah. That's, did you actually say that to them? Because that's brave to like basically turn down a job. <laughs> I, at, at the time I didn't, but I learned afterwards, like it, it didn't work out. And I think this is why, because right. I discovered yes. actually you don't need me right now. Right now you need to focus on getting your MVP and pitching investors and mm. getting the money so that you can come back to me and it, you know then you'll be able to afford a professional design. Yeah, and you'll be in a better place as well. You'll have the product idea fleshed out a bit more yeah as well probably and I think that that's the same as what you were saying earlier about a blog like if you want to start a blog you don't the the most important part is to start blogging Mm. the most important part is not to get a logo and get a fancy website or whatever the important part is to start blogging and design can come later when eventually you have the money or whatever to be able to invest in design. For now, go on Canva or whatever design, easy design tool, accessible design tool you want to use to just get something up there and get started and get going. Yeah, it's the same with, I've been writing an article for the same issue that I was talking about, about how to choose a good website template, a good blog template, I mean, because Mm -hmm. to start with, when you first start blogging, all you need is a nice looking template. And so I'm sharing tips for choosing a good pre-made one. And as your business grows and as your blog grows, you're going to find that you need um, something more custom. You know, you're going to have different needs than these templates offer. And and by that stage, you'll be more established and you'll be able to afford to pay someone to design and build you something that is custom and suits your needs exactly. But when you're just getting started, a uh, like pre-made thing is fine. And again, that's the same for a lot of things. I had a comment on one of my YouTube videos the other day that I've dropped into our doc here that I wanted to read out because it was sparked quite a discussion. Um, oh, this is a good one. Brace yourselves, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Someone said it was me designing a website. I think it was the, the context of this comment. And someone said, why do people pay for this stuff? Everything you did here is easily doable with something like Divi in like 10 minutes, lol. (laughs) And I replied saying, 10 minutes plus years of experience learning about user experience and design principles. Upside down, smiley Ah! face. (laughs) Oh my gosh, like I can't believe how how you took this comment like you answered so perfectly (laughs) I would have been so enraged well I mean this is the thing that people see something that looks simple and they're always going to think it's easy it's the same for these like logo building tools or whatever when people try and do something themselves I'm sure they often find and I've had people say this to me as well like they come to me to work on something with them because they've tried to do it themselves and they just can't get it to look right because 
Mm-hmm. As everyone listening knows, there's a lot of skill to design. And there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that you don't see on the page. Even some of the world's most simple logos yeah. took a lot of work and a lot of you know iteration and ideation to develop and get to that simple stage. And so, totally. And, yeah. <laughs> and I love I love bringing in the sort of glass blower story metaphor here because it's so true. I mean, I I've seen it in real life. Last year I was in Venice and we went to see a glass blower and you sit there and there's this guy with like the tube or whatever and he's blowing the glass and he's making amazing sculptures, like absolutely amazing. And he does the whole thing in I don't know, a few minutes, you know. He gets the glass, he just creates this amazing sculpture and you're sitting there you're like, "Oh my god, wow." Like Oh, but he only did it in five minutes. Yeah, it you can't just blow be that the hard, and then you like, get a glass just, sculpture. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, right? <laughs> like that guy's probably spent years and years and years glass blowing, and he's created all these or developed all of these skills so that he can do it in five minutes. And I feel like it's the same with design. Mm-hmm. Like, look at the Nike logo right yeah I'm sure that any average person is like oh that probably took a designer like 30 seconds and it would you know, take you that just to draw a tick. yeah <laughs> yeah duh. but god no like there's so much years of learning and experience that goes in behind that so that you can create that design in that short amount of time and make those design decisions too and mm-hmm. like know what to do so yeah I don't know I feel like this creative thinking and this creative problem solving is not something that I believe computers solve for us yet. Who knows what will happen in the future? But for now, I think that that creativity is hard to automate, I suppose, because it's not something that is the same for every situation. And it's something where you have to take a bunch of different factors and think about the audience, think about the business needs, think about you know what's out houses out there with their competitors etc and apply that all to come together to build the design and I don't know maybe it's idealistic but I just don't see that that being something computers are very good at you know computers are good at making things um they look the same I suppose you know when you automate something generally it's so that you get the same result each time and that's just not what is wanted with design Yeah, the thing with computers is that they're always programmed to do the, like, get the best possible result or do the best possible, like, get the right answer, basically. Mm. And design is subjective. Like, what is the right answer to this brief? It could be anything. And so how does a computer know which the right answer is? And in order to get that right, you know, quote-unquote right answer, the, the best quality design, you need creativity and you need imagination. And that's the big question. It's like, can a computer have imagination? Can we teach a computer to be creative? And I don't know what the answer to that is. I, In the past, I very firmly had a stance of no, a computer can't have imagination. It can't be creative because it always does the most logical thing. Mm. And that's not necessarily creative or requires imagination. But lately, I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence about it. I don't know. Maybe computers can have imagination and creativity in the future. I don't know. I've been reading a book by Seth Godin lately called Lynchpin. And in it, he talks about how with the world, you know, going the way it is, art is one of the safest jobs. And he Mm. thinks of art as 
um, oh, I, I wish I could have the quote in front of me to remember how he describes it, but it's not like painting with a paintbrush or whatever. It's art, like expression. Yeah, art is like taking the situation and processing it in a creative way and having empathy and yeah, making the best of something. Like he talks about how waiters can create art with their job, you know, when they really treat customers well and remember these things about these people who come in every week or whatever. Yeah. Art is like that next level. And I totally am on board with that. I think it makes sense that that's the kind of thing that really involves evaluating a certain situation and a human reaction to it that I don't think computers have, but at least not for many years. <laughs> yeah, maybe in future. I don't know. And I think there's two ways we can react to it. We can either be you know, scared of it and back away and have negative feelings towards it or we can embrace it and I think those are two different possibilities like what if computers suddenly could make art and if we embraced that I don't know what would the potential be there I don't know to be honest it's scary I'm I'm pleased that there's now software for things like you know laying out blog images easily or whatever because I don't enjoy doing that stuff that's very basic layouts that I'm not interested in spending my time on as a designer. So it's great that people can do that themselves. And I'm clear to focus on the bigger problems and the more interesting problems to solve with design as well. So in that way, I kind of like that design is being commodified in this way and that more people are able to do it because it does free up uh, the designers to focus on the more complex design tasks. I, it's funny. I experienced this too recently, uh, my mum, who is in her 50s, has learnt probably better than me how to use Squarespace. Amazing. And previously, she would always come to me like, how do I do this thing? I need to put this here. And how do I upload this? Whatever, whatever. And now she can just do it all herself. I don't hear from her as much, hear from her as much anymore about helping her with Squarespace. And Okay, so my mum is not a designer. She has a background in teaching and early childhood. But she got a client recently and she made a Squarespace website for them. That's so cool. Well yeah, done, and Yeah, at the time I was like, how do I, as a designer, how do I feel about this? Like, she, you know, she is, has no design background whatsoever and here she is making a Squarespace website for a client and I felt a little bit conflicted at the time. I was like, how should I feel about this? This is, you know, impacting my industry in a way. But then, you know, on the other hand, at the same time, I think, well, if my mum wasn't able to create a Squarespace website for that person, then they probably wouldn't get a website, yep. you know, because like, they can't afford it. Exactly. They don't know how to how to do it. They can't get that professional website. So at least in this way, them getting that basic Squarespace website, that's better than nothing, right? And I think we should encourage that. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think that there's, you know, with being able to lay things out yourself is all well and good. And like we talked about at the start, that that's going to be hugely beneficial for you to have something to start with, but you will find you need something more custom or whatever as you go along. I remember back at my old job at Zero, at one stage, there was built a tool for the, I think it was the sales team, no, maybe like the search engine marketing team or something, was able to put together their own landing pages through taking a bunch of different things and like, you know, putting them together on a page. 
But because they didn't have the design sensibility, it meant things like there was paragraphs that were way too long to fit in a space. There was like weird text alignment everywhere and I don't know, too much text in this one place. And it meant that because there was no designer involved, the page wasn't doing the job as best it could if there was someone to process that information and put out the best solution, you know, for the goals that were in mind. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting that even with all the templates available in the world or whatever, you do still need that design thinking and that ability to process and think about the purpose or whatever and solve the problem to make something that is actually, you know, good design. Yeah, I think I more see these tools and this increase in accessibility as maybe a first step or a temporary step. And then once you're ready, then get the professional in to, you know, yeah. help it achieve the goals that it should be achieving. Yeah. You know, I feel like we could talk about this for ages. And I, I said at the start that I wanted to bring in <laughs> tweets and I've not yes. done that yet. So should oh, we do that now? Tweets. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I tweeted out, Asking, as a designer, do you ever worry about your job being replaced by software that promises easy logos or auto layouts? And ask people to share their thoughts. We've got some really interesting responses. So let's go through, chat about them. Louise says, there's always a fear of software taking over people's jobs, especially as AI is developing so fast and quick. However, it'll take a while for scientists slash engineers to replicate the ability to have original creative thoughts. So yes, but no, but also yes. <laughs> so it sounds like you, Femme, she's thinking this could be something that happens in the future, but right now it's not something we need to worry about. Yeah, I think I'm in the same position. I'm not really worrying about it right now, but I'm also very much aware that it is a very likely possibility. And I think we, we're not going to be able to avoid it. It's going to eventually happen. And so I think we just need to be prepared for how we're going to react to that and whether we as designers and creatives are willing to embrace it. Mm. That's, I think, more where we need to, to stand. That's a good point. We don't want to end up like the music industry who refused to embrace iTunes, you know, yeah, and end up right. <laughs> yeah, failing our industry. <laughs> Kevin says, it depends on how you define design. I worried in the beginning, but now after a few years, I know that it will always need people to solve a problem or craft services which help humans interact with machines. So thinking of medicine and hospital experiences, for example. I don't quite get that example, but... I think I know what he's saying. Like, even when you have the software that is going to lay out a design for you, someone still needs to design that software, you know, and Mm. think about how the human's going to interact with it. And someone needs to be the one teaching these machines. So, yeah, I think that maybe our jobs might just change in the future and we'll be designing experiences more than laying pixels out on a page, I suppose. Yeah, I I think maybe what Kevin is referring to is designing the holistic experience and Mm. so for example a website is just one tiny puzzle piece of an entire user experience you know maybe you go to the website and then you see a billboard and then you go to the store and then you interact with someone in the store etc etc you know that whole experience and how all of those little puzzle pieces fit together I think what he's trying to say is maybe a computer can't view it from that point of view. You know, you give a computer or an AI or or whatever this one problem and this one task to solve and they do it, they solve that task based on that problem and the constraints and environment around that problem. But can they view from a more holistic point of view where it's like, well, the solution to that problem might be different if you step further away, you know? Yes, that is a really good point. The computer only knows what you tell it, right? And so... 
often with design and you and I know this from working with clients, you're asking a lot of questions to like pull the right information out of them. Exactly. So if you don't give that information to a computer, then it's just not going to know and it's not going to get the best result. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I think so, because the solution or outcome is going to be very different depending on whether you're standing really up close to the problem or standing really far away. Rachel says, I'm not too concerned yet. What we do as designers and brand experts, that kind of abstract thinking is going to be difficult to program for. I doubt it will happen. I don't doubt it will happen someday, but not anytime soon. So it seems like we're all on board with thinking this is a very real possibility for our future, but yeah, not something to worry about right now. I Also, I wonder about the level of creativity you can give a computer. Like, will it just mm. be creative enough to be able to, I don't know, Pick, a, pick colors that match nicely or will it be creative n- enough to actually solve the problem like is it just going to be visually creative and only solving the visual problems or is it also going to be able to solve the underlying problems that can't be solved just by visuals you know yeah I think it's definitely going to be harder to program for for sure Giles said something interesting that made me think he said it's a similar sentiment applies to photography um, in which case, no, not worried about it. Many people will always value true creativity of an individual. And this is a good point because these days, everyone thinks they're a photographer, right? Like we've all got great cameras on our iPhones. Loads of people own a DSLR or something. But still, people will hire a wedding photographer and pay yes. thousands of dollars for them to photograph their wedding because they want really creative, beautiful, good quality results. And they're not just relying on their friends with their iPhones. They're at the ceremony. That is true. Yeah, you could argue that like, it's already hit the photography industry, right? Yep. Yeah. And yet still people are still hiring professional photographers for things. So, yeah, we could look so at that as a bright side. Just yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, photographers, that you've had to go through it already. <laughs> Pete says, not replaced, but devalued, which is interesting because when someone does think that they can easily do something for themselves in a piece of software, it is going to be harder to convince them to shell out you know, hundreds or thousands of dollars for something, right? That's just a fact. And I always have the mindset that those are just not the right type of clients if they're not seeing the value in it. But also, I know that that greatly cuts down the client pool out there, you know, for all of us as freelancers. Yeah. Because the number of people who truly value design is obviously shrinking, I would say, with the way the software evolves and people being out of DIY. What do you think about that? I think you can also look at it the other way in terms of that it actually increases the value. And like if you look at back at photography, like yes, everyone's got a camera and everyone takes these amazing photos, whatever. But also I look at a professional photographer and see an increase in their value because they are professional. Like mm. you can clearly sort of see the the gap between the amateur and the professional photographer. And so in that way, I value photography or professional photography more because anyone can be an amateur, but not anyone can be a professional photographer. So I value those people higher. That's interesting. I don't know. I haven't thought about it in that way. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that or not, but I like that way of thinking about it. (laughs) Like I wonder if, if you could choose a computer to design something for you, would that increase the value of what a human could design for you because they're a human? Right. Yeah, like 
okay, I'm, I'm just going to get the computer to design this one, but I'm really going to invest in this one and pay a human to do it because I want this problem to be solved. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how I was thinking of it. Yeah, I see what you mean. I don't know. I don't have all the right answers. <laughs> <laughs> we never claimed to, did we? No. Steve says, as a web designer, I don't worry about software. I worry about the need itself being replaced. Content is far more important than appearance. And this is a good point. Content is always going to be king. Like you can have a beautiful design, but if you've not got something that you're saying with it, then what's the point? It's just it's just decoration in that in that case. But I don't know if I disagree with content meaning that the need for design is replaced because you need people to enjoy reading that content, right? You need yep. that content to be a nice reading experience. Like look at Medium. It seems really plain and white, but people designed that. People spend a lot of time designing that to be such mm. a great reading and writing and editing experience. And so just because it seems simple doesn't mean it is. Yeah, oh, this is so hard to think and talk about. I mean, what if a computer eventually develops the most optimal design that could ever exist for a reading experience? Would but then, that, where's the personality? Right. If everyone has that. But would that take away the need to continue designing optimal reading experiences? Well, I don't think so because I think Medium is a pretty great reading experience, but not every site is exactly Medium. Mm. People have taken a lot of influence from it. Uh, lots of different blogs these days, Medium is like the inspiration point. But still, we want our brands to be our brands and to be unique yep. and to be different. And so just because some of the reading uh, optimization, <laughs> that's the word, <laughs> problems have been solved, it doesn't mean that the whole design has been solved because you can't just have every single site mm -hmm. looking exactly the same. Yeah. Interesting point, though. Very, very interesting to think about. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we have no idea what computers are going to be able to do and the impact they're going to have, but we can talk about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica says, no, at least not yet. Easy slash auto doesn't mean they're good or well positioned. Yeah, that's kind of what I was saying right at the start with the five second logo, you know? Yeah. Like, you can, you can create something, it doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... Again, it comes down to those different needs, I suppose. Yeah, and the goals, right? Yeah. So, I think all in all, we're <sighs> not worried about our jobs just yet. No. But in the future, we have to keep our minds open to them changing. And that's why I think it's really good to embrace, uh, you know, the different softwares coming up and see what see what they're doing and, and make sure we check them out. Uh, I recently tried out Webflow, at, which is a tool that helps you build mm -hmm. websites with like a visual editor. Because, and you know, a lot of developers don't like that sort of thing because they're like, oh, you know, it's not good code or whatever. But we have to accept that these things are becoming more and more common and we have to try them out and, yeah, I suppose, give them a chance, I suppose. So what is your last piece of advice or any final takeaways or thoughts about this, Charlie? Like, do you think we should fear it? Do you think it's coming? What do you think? I think that we shouldn't get mad at software that, you know, designs things for you or, you know, makes it easier for the everyday, you know, Joe Average to create a piece of design. I think we should feel secure in ourselves and in our skills as designers, and we should use it as inspiration to focus more on the problem-solving side than on the making things yeah. look good side. Because obviously anyone can do the making things look good side these days. It's the problem-solving side that we have as designers that's the skill that we have to offer. And so that's the thing that we should be encouraged to focus on with, you know, the state of everything at the moment. That's my advice. 
Nice. I think that's perfect advice. Well, Pam, where can people go to find more of our episodes online? You can go to designlife.fm. That's our website. You'll find all 77 episodes on there as well as our newsletter, which you can su- subscribe to. And we send out weekly updates, and takeaways, and you'll get everything you need to know about the latest episode. We also have started asking questions for upcoming episodes in that email as well. So if you want to send us a reply that's like longer than we'll put in a tweet or get early, you know, get your response in early, then that's a good place to be doing that. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. We're at DesignLifeFM. Thank you to everyone who contributed to this topic because it's really interesting to hear everyone's thoughts. Um, If you're listening and didn't contribute on Twitter but want to share your thoughts now, please go ahead and do that because it'll be good to keep this discussion going. Cool. See you next week, Charlie. Bye, fam. Hope you feel better soon. Thanks. Bye.